0: Welcome to the Let It Flow podcast, I'm Alexis and I'm Carly. We're just two humans figuring things out and we're here to share deeper conversations about mindset, spirituality, personal growth, and tangents on everything in between.
1: We hope this podcast encourages you to ask bigger questions and think and live outside the box.
0: We're always learning, but the one thing we found to be 100% true is that life is meant to flow. So whether you're
1: all in on your personal growth journey or just starting out, let's flow together. Welcome back to another episode of the Let It Flow podcast. We have another guest on today. We're so excited. We are talking to Leah Party. She is an author, speaker, and breath work facilitator. She hosts the Bare Naked Soul podcast. And as the author of Confessions of an Uncaged Soul plus two guided journals, Leah teaches women all over the world to navigate fear and live a slow, sensual, and intentional life in the present moment, which is so perfect for Let It Flow. That's what we
2: focus on. So welcome, Leah. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Just love these open conversations and um, love your guys' vibe. I'm like, this is going to be a really good conversation. Yes, we're
1: excited too. And I think I have to throw it out there that Carly had texted me after our last guest episode and said, it would be so fun to have a breathwork facilitator on the podcast. Maybe one will come to us. And I kid you not, a couple hours later, Leah popped into my DMs and said, hi, I'm a breathwork facilitator and would love to be on your podcast. And it was the craziest thing. (laughs) I about threw my phone across the room. Like, what kind of wizardry is this?
0: (laughs) You guys called it right in. What can I say? The alignment's there. The energy's there. It's so exciting. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this because breathwork is so powerful. And I've really fallen in love with it. I've had some wild experiences with breathwork. (laughs) And yeah, I'm just so excited to hear like how you got into it and like what really spoke to you about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It is so powerful. So it started with meditation about four years ago. I, you know, I had heard about it. And I think I was like reading about it in books, I was starting to get really into the spirituality stuff. And I remember being like intimidated by it, though. Because I was like, well, at the time I was, um, I really identified as a Christian at the time. And, you know, more religious than spiritual. And so I was like, well, is this bad? Like, is this like, you know, something that will make God mad at me? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because I didn't know anyone who meditated at all, like at all. And so it's funny because I started meditating. And then next thing I knew, when I opened up the Bible, the next time I noticed the word meditate is in there. So like so much, although it's not incorporated into the modern Christianity, which is really, really interesting. But anyways, so I got really into meditation, um, start with like, started really small, like five minutes in the morning, five minutes right before bed, got hooked. It just helped me feel more present, more at ease, less anxiety. It was just, it was just so crazy. Um, really tapping into that joy from within, you know, for the first time in my life. It, it was, it was, what's this happiness that's not caused by someone outside of me, something happening that's going my way, right? And so pretty quickly though, I I found breath work and I started, you know, going to different people's workshops online and things like that. And I just couldn't believe like the altered states it puts you in and the euphoria that comes. And then I started kind of deepening my understanding and learning about how it actually helps us to shed those those energies, those trapped emotions, those repressed emotions over time and started to realize like how healing and powerful it was. So from there I became a facilitator and incorporated that into my business. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, really, it's a really cool experience.
1: So Carly went to what was that your yoga retreat? I wanted you to share what happened to you and
0: Oh, yeah, Leah's
1: talking about those euphoric states, what that what that means, like, how can breathing change your state? So I'd love for you to share what happened to you, because it's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, so I've been doing breath work kind of off and on for quite a few years now. It started with, um, I mean, yoga years ago, but I didn't really realize that at the time that there was like, it was like one and the same for me. I didn't realize that you could just do breath work and not be also doing yoga, the asana of yoga. And then paused for a few years and I discovered Wim Hof <laughs> and his breath work. So I got in it and that was beautiful, just like the feeling that comes alive in the body and like the release of some of the emotions. But by far the wildest experience I've had is this past year. At the end of the year, I discovered this teaching of yoga called sattva yoga. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's very integrative. So you have all the different yogas like in one. So like ashtanga and um, kriya, which is kundalini, like all of these. And breath work is a huge portion of the practice And one day, it was one of the retreats that me and my mom went to, actually. We were doing this practice, and these practices, you know, you start with a lot of breath work and kriya, which are just, like, repetitive postures, and then we do more of the asana yoga practice, and then at the end, our guide, she brought us through really powerful deep breathing, so you were, like, in as deep as you can and then out as much as you can, and all of a sudden... (laughs) I was coming to, and they, her and the other woman there were helping me sit up. And I had like completely, like, I don't know if even passed out is the right word, but I had just, I was gone. And I got up and I total access this. I'm like, I have never felt my body so alive before. It was like, and then I got up and was like, Whoa, sat up. They helped me like lean over, and um, all of a sudden, just waves of emotion came over me, and I was just cr- like crying silently, but it was just release, release, release. And I, and the beautiful thing that I've experienced with breath work, which I'd love to hear your thoughts as well, is I didn't feel like I needed to get in there and know exactly what it was, but I could feel the release, and that is so beautiful because oftentimes in personal growth and development I feel like we can sometimes get lost and there's a part of it that's important but we can get lost in almost the I don't know if drama is the right word of like what caused these these challenges in our lives but it's the thing I love about breathwork is you can release those and not have to like get into the drama and really understand what it was it just is like gone and it's I'm have goosebumps right now. <laughs> oh my
2: gosh. Such a cool experience. It's um yeah, it's almost like you had like an out of body experience. It's really it it does make you feel alive. It's one of those things with breathwork where and it is hard to explain for someone listening who's never done it before. They, they might be like, "Okay, what like what's really going on here?" But it takes you so deep into your body that you do feel so alive. And I totally agree. I think it's a very it's, it it makes sense to say like, yeah, we do get caught up in the drama. We get caught up in the stories around why this happened and why Mm -hmm. we, this shouldn't have happened to us or the explanations in our mind of why this trauma, whatever. And like, yeah, there's a time and a place for those things, but you can only go so far being in the mind and the mind will often, as we all know, continue to replay itself, right? The mind is just always replaying things and repeating things and they tend to be negative. And so we tend to be so caught up there. And that's why like my whole thing is like the present moment because there's mm. so much power when you let go of the thinking mind and you come into the body. And so with breath work, like you were saying, yeah, it like releases things without you having to like re-trauma- become re-traumatized. You don't have to revisit that exact experience to release it which is so profound. And how it works is basically, you know, from the time we're little children, um, you know, we were taught, it's not okay to cry, be a big girl, you know, stop it, like, you know, especially men even more so, but we were taught that emotions really aren't cool. It's like really not okay Mm -hmm. to have outbursts, really not okay to feel what you're feeling. It's not okay to be angry. And then we went to school and even it was even more reinforced, the world taught us to suppress our emotions, essentially. And now um, we have become adults and most of us, you know, drink wine or eat excess food. I remember like binge eating. I had this binge eating period in my 20s where I thought, I don't know why I'm eating so much food, but like, I'll never be able to stop. And I now see that I was pushing down the stress of my job and the anxiety I was feeling. And we go to Netflix and porn and social media, like whatever it is, we're trying to numb ourselves. We don't want to feel it. But what we really need to do is feel it, to heal it. Like that's all we have to do to process those emotions that get literally stuck inside of our bodies is feel them, allow them to be there. So the emotions are energy and they're stuck in our body until they get triggered. Something triggers us. You know, like there's like that phrase where if someone says that you feel it in your body, like get angry coming up. Um, Mm -hmm. We all have triggers And so we get triggered and those emotions start to come back up, but normally we shove them back down. So we have a lot going on inside of there, bottled up within us, um, causing disease, causing anxiety, causing depression. And so with breath work, we're really tapping into that energetic layer where those energies are stored and through the breath and through those movements and those strong and fast breaths that you described, we're releasing those energies. And so it's a really common experience to have crying or anger. Some people have a lot of visuals that come up for them. I have had memories come up, but it's never been like, it's never been anything very specific. It's kind of been random flashes of memories. And I've never had anyone say that they had, that they relived a trauma. Like I've never heard of that happening during breath work. So Mm. you're experiencing euphoria or crying or all these different things And typically what follows is lightness, is like, ah, just feel lighter afterwards because you released things in such a deep, physical, cellular way. It's so crazy.
1: I'm new to breathwork. I downloaded an app that was doing a free 30 days and it was the new year. So I thought, why not try something new? And I've noticed on their app that there's different types of breath work, depending on what thing I click on, there'll be one where it's just focus on your breath and keep it steady. And then there's some that's four, seven, eight, and then there's some that are box breathing. And I was wondering if you could, for anybody listening, that's new to breath work, describe the differences between different types of breathing or different practices in breath work. I might be saying things wrong here and not knowing the terminology, but if you could (laughs) like, tell a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the interesting thing with breath work is there's different terminologies. So there's different names for the same kind of breathing, which is a little bit confusing, but there's like, people have kind of coined like the Wim Hof method, which I love, um, love him, but like he coined a, a breath work with his name, which is fine, but it's like been around for, you know, thousands of years, just like yoga. And then other people have named other breath works in the, you know, have given them names. So It's it's a little bit unlike yoga. I feel like in yoga, there's like very specific names for each thing. With breathwork, it's there could be different things we're calling it, and it's different things. But basically, all breathwork is is just different breathing patterns. So like you have, I mean, there's so many different ones. But like the box breathing, you're breathing in in for a certain number of breaths and breathing out for a certain number of breaths, and you're doing some counting. There's like breath of fire, which is common in yoga, where you're doing really rapid. I love
0: breath breath of fire.
2: For so long, that was like my go to for like a couple of months ago. I was doing that like every day, it was just like my go to. Um, yeah, you're doing like rapid breaths into the belly, like really, really, really fast. Um, the kind that you are probably doing, although there are different names for it, and Carly, the one that you described, um, is, is typically considered conscious
0: connected breath work, so it's like a
2: circular breathing pattern, it's fast and strong. You're like lying down for this experience. That's one that yeah.
0: was well, something that was unique to that experience for me. And, um, I've done sattva practices after that. And it's a common thing in, in that practice. Um, they call, God, I don't know how many they are. I'm actually doing a training in a few months. I'm going to India to do this training. Um, but so I'll find out, but they have cosmic breaths and there's like different patterns. And this one, if I remember correctly, it was in very deeply through the nose out very deeply through the nose, in through the mouth, and then out through the mouth. And then so something like that. Like that I don't I don't know what happened, but it was incredible.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different breathing patterns and it's a really cool thing to dive into because it's um there's just always something new to learn, always a new way of doing it. So
1: what would you say to people starting out in it when say I go on this app, I see all of these different options of classes or meditations to do. Some of them are four minutes long. Some of them are an hour long. Does the timing matter?
2: I mean, you're going to have a different experience with the amount of time. So the kind of breath work um, where you're going to have the experience of like crying and releasing and kind of having a trippy experience, it's going to be at least like a 20, 30 minute session. Typically, you know, you're probably not going to have that from like a five or 10 minute session. But if you're just starting out, The five or 10 minute session can be a great place to start, you know, because we don't want to, we want to do it regularly. That would be ideal because it's going to, over time, release a lot of repressed emotions. So for me, you know, I started doing it, I don't know, maybe two years ago, um, several times a week and not for any crazy length of time. Although sometimes I would do like an hour long, right? But most of the time it was shorter ones. But um, yeah, it's, I, I, over time became a much less reactive person and just notice I was living more like lightheartedly. So that's kind of the effect you can have doing it over time. So if you're new to something, I think it's really great to start really small. So like maybe doing a five or 10 minute session, but say, tell yourself you're gonna do it three times a week. And then maybe incorporate like an hour long session once or twice a month to go really deep. I don't know, I think it would be a cool thing if you were just like looking at a bunch of different options, just ask yourself, Ask your intuition, like which one feels good right now? And then just trust what comes up.
1: Yeah, 100%. I'm personally working on building the habit of it. So right now, sometimes it's five minutes right when I wake up, if I remember, or right before bed, I've had a lot of nights where I'm like, shoot, it's 10 o'clock, but I'm going to do it. And it's just (laughs) going to be five minutes, but it counts. And we're keeping with the habit.
0: Have you worked with anybody who starts to do this breath work? And that's why it's so probably helpful to... Have a guide bringing you through this as well. but um worked with somebody who struggles with it because I have experienced even myself, but then other people say they try to do it, but it's hard. Like they feel almost like it's hard because their lungs, you know, or or we don't always know how to actually breathe deeply because so many people are breathing through that. So have you experienced that with some of your clients or people you've worked with?
2: Yeah. You know, I, so we don't breathe properly. We're very hunched over and that's part of the problem in our society. We're very hunched over. And so we're not really breathing with the full scope of our diaphragm. Um, and then we have a lot of stress and anxiety, you know, when you're like really stressed and can feel like you feel like you can't catch a breath or you can't take a deep breath something like that. I think those things really play a role, but I think the biggest thing that would make it feel hard is resistance, Mm. you know, is the mind the mind hates breath work because it gets rid of the mind, so it shuts off the default mode network part of the brain, which is the, which is the conditioned monkey mind chatterbox overthinker. The mind doesn't want to be shut off, right? The ego wants its grip on you, so it will resist breath work like a mother, like it is going to talk you out of it all day long. Um, I used to resist breath work so hard. I think that's the real the real problem here is that. It's not that you can't do the breathing exercises, although there are some people who maybe have like health conditions that could restrict them or who just need to start off with a slower and calmer breathwork exercise. Mm. Like do what feels right with your body by all means. But I wonder if you would let go of the thought and just really be in your body, what would happen? Because I've also heard of people having like, they'll have like sudden back pain when they're trying to do breathwork or meditate, sudden this or that, and it's resistance. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. You don't want to let yourself, you don't want to let go. Your mind doesn't want to let go. So just taking that into consideration with all things in life, right? What else are we resisting? What other things are we coming up with ways that can't work, right? So yeah, I think that's like a sneaky, a sneaky one.
1: I have noticed that so much. When I try to sit cross-legged on the floor and keep my spine straight, my back is on fire almost every time I try to do it. And then the longest breath work I've done is 20 minutes. And it had a lot of that fast paced, like in, out, in, out. And I, in my head felt like I was doing burpees at the gym and I wanted to stop. I wanted to quit so <laughs> badly. It, it it amazed me how similar that was. It felt like I was resisting physical exercise um, that I absolutely hated, but I was just breathing.
2: Yeah, we resist so many things that are so good for us.
1: I know we've talked about it on this podcast and other episodes, but what we've noticed, and I'm sure you can relate is the things you resist the most are the things that are best for you or the, or it's going to be the next step that you have to take to get to where you're meant to be. And it's always when you reach that high resistance that you need to keep going. And that's just all I kept telling myself in my head is like, this is a 20 minute thing. You can get through it. It's not that long. (laughs) Keep
2: breathing yeah it's so true. We resist what we need the most. It's absolutely
0: true. yeah, I've been experiencing that a lot lately. I've been kind of in kind of a funk the last few days, and there's a few other things that are have been affecting that that are kind of outside of myself, so only I can really control how I react to those things. But I am in command of that. And it's so funny how I've noticed this pattern within myself. I will even though I have all of these tools, Sometimes it's like, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's that resistance to even using the tools to get out of the funk. And then I get to the point where I'm like, okay, F this, Carly, like you're done pitying yourself. Like, and then I will get there. But, um, I think that's the key. I've noticed that this happens to me so much more when I'm not being as consistent with my practices, with the breath work or the yoga or the meditation. and because when I'm consistent with that, I don't get into those funks that often. And you know, life gets busy and that's just how it is. And so, for example, the last couple of weeks, I've been really busy with things that have been, I've been allowing to take my concentration away from my personal practices. And oh my God, I feel it.
2: I feel like that almost relates to because I'm the same way. If I if I stop my daily like meditation, breath work, yoga and it, it kind of fall off, like I do slip into funks and then you have to like snap out of it. But I think it kind of relates to the thing with like, with like being attached to like our drama. It's like, there's almost this satisfaction of being in a funk or like, I don't even know how to explain it, but I've been there so many times. I'm sure you guys have too. It's like, we almost want to pity ourselves because yes. our mind yeah. loves that. Our mind loves a good pity party. And so <laughs> it wants to stay there.
0: We talked about this, Alexis, with um, even school. We were in the same major actually in college. And I remember it didn't last very long. It didn't get me quite to the end of our four-year degree. But for the first couple years, I had this like weird satisfaction about being miserable, like about like having those late studio nights, but like, oh, I love it because I'm doing this and I'm working so hard and I'm not getting any sleep and so I feel horrible but like also look at what I'm doing it's just such a weird thing and I'm
1: I was just going to say that fits in with with society and the people you surround yourself with all of our classmates were complaining a lot of our family and friends complain and so if you're also in that funk then you're a part of the collective that is complaining and like down and out and being the one that's not is actually separating yourself from the group. So I feel like there's part of our mind that feels comfortable in that because it's like, oh, I can, I can commiserate with these people rather than being like, hey, I I have breath work, I have meditation, I can get out of this, I have all the tools. And then I think there's also something to be said of having all the tools and then not accessing them because they're always there. It's like, oh, well, I know, I know that I have it. I can access it anytime, but Not today. I'll do it tomorrow because it's there, but I'm not going to do it now.
2: Yeah. That reminds me of like how I was like, I, when I used to work in corporate, I was like super in the masculine hustle. I mean, hardcore, like working just first person in the office, last person to leave every single day, you know, barely sleeping because I was just had to climb the corporate ladder as fast as I could and in competition with everyone. And although it wasn't, I mean, I, I felt like shit, like I had tons of anxiety and stuff, but, and I wasn't taking care of myself, but there was like the satisfaction of like the ego part of it. And, and yeah, like you were saying, Alexis, it's like, whatever you surround yourself with, you become. So everyone around you is complaining about the same things If everyone around you is doing the same rat race, hustle thing. If everyone around you is, um, in their victim mindset, like you're, there's going to be a part of you that even wants it more. To fit in.
1: Mm -hmm. 100%.
2: We are strange
1: creatures. I actually was on your Instagram right before this and saw a post that you had pinned. And I really want to read it because Carly and I both thought it was so beautiful. And I think it goes into what you mentioned earlier about present moment magic and slow living. And this is what you wrote. We've been sold a lie. We don't need more. We actually need less less pressure to have the perfect body, the perfect house, the perfect bank account, less stress from buying things we truly can't afford, less trying to impress others with our success, less filters, less makeup, less lip injections and more of only one thing, love. We loved that. Beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank and you. so I- I would love for you to touch on that present moment magic, and that's such an interesting way to say it. So maybe where you came up with that phrase and how present moment magic has affected your
2: life. Yeah, thank you so much. So when I was writing my book, Confessions of an Uncaged Soul, that was one of the titles I almost used was present moment magic, and that was like kind of in a brainstorming session of what I really wanted to to bring in with the book. And there were times when it was becoming more of a memoir and less of a memoir and I couldn't decide how much I had to share and family things and whatever. So um, yeah, I think the present moment is the most important thing we can possibly focus on. I think being present is everything because otherwise we're caught up like in in the, the words you just read, like we're caught up in this rat race of needing more, wanting more. If I, if I only had this next thing, then I'll be happy, right? We're always caught up in that next thing and that never satisfies us because there's always a next thing. And so until we, until we break that cycle and really bring ourselves into the present moment on a daily basis, feeling, feeling the emotions of the present, this, the sensuality, feeling it all with all of our senses, the Taste of the present, the smell of the present moment, the textures on our body, just like the the, whatever's happening in nature in the present. Until we do that on a daily basis, we're constantly caught up in what's next. And we're constantly projecting our happiness down the road into the future. So I think that us coming into the present is the most important thing we can do. It's us letting go of the mind, it's us letting go of the overthinking and the incessant worrying that just drives us crazy. And it's, you know, breath work is a huge part of it for me of helping me stay present, meditation, yoga, journaling, so many different tools. But it's that joy that we so desperately seek is already within us. It's already here as long as we just stop attaching ourselves to the future.
0: Amen, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, because when we project into the future that we are going to get this thing that we so desperately want, it's always about a feeling, right? And, It's all about that. It's about that emotion that you're attaching to the future. Well, if you know what emotion you're looking for in the future, you've obviously felt it before and you have that emotion and that energy inside of you to experience it now. And so that's the whole point. And what people talk about in manifestation is, okay, there's that thing in the future you want. How are you going to feel when you have it and feel it now instead? And so that's so important to recognize that you have the ability to feel that now in the present moment.
2: Yeah. It's something we have to remind ourselves of over and over and over and over because society is selling us on the lie that we need more. So we have to remember like, okay, why do I want that vacation? How will I feel when I'm there? And like a vacation is not bad, right? None of the things are bad. A house isn't bad. Makeup's not bad. These things aren't bad. It's us becoming, I can't be happy unless this exact thing is in my life and more and more in more and larger quantities all the time, right? But it's like, how would I feel if I had that home, that vacation, that purse, that partner, like what, what am I really looking for? And it's like, it's, it's hard to remember that we're really looking for a feeling.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: This is a bit of a personal story on that. But last year I cut back on how much makeup I was wearing because I realized that I would walk by the mirror with no makeup on and avoid looking at myself. And I realized that I wanted the makeup to make myself feel beautiful and feel happy and be able to be on camera and on screen and do all the things. And I have a much better relationship with it now because I detached from the idea that the makeup was giving me any of that validation. And now I I find myself doing it with other products. Like I, I went shopping the other day and bought a jacket and it wasn't with the energy of, I'm going to feel beautiful in this in this jacket, or this jacket is going to give me happiness because it's going to complete my wardrobe or whatever other stories I used to tell in my mind. It was more of, this seems fun, and I am my own little doll in this lifetime, and <laughs> I get to dress up, and I am happy with my closet now, and I will be happy with or without this jacket and with or without makeup, and I think it's so important to get to that point where with or without this thing, I am okay, and I am fine and really recognizing that.
0: I feel like it's an example of those things become tools for your expression instead of your expression relying on those outside things.
1: Yes, I like that.
0: (laughs) Because I feel like we've all experienced this. Like we're all taught this growing up. It's wild. I feel like the deepest thing of spirituality,
2: like what spirituality really is, is coming into this knowing that like, this this body is my avatar for this lifetime and all these things are, that are happening in my reality are real, but they're also an illusion and my happiness is not dependent on any of them and I can't control things going a certain way. So as long as I stay in my body and in my soul and remind myself that like I've already arrived, I have everything I need, then I don't have to think these things outside of me are going to change my internal state because they really don't Mm -mm. and they're like bonuses
0: to the experience
2: (laughs) let's play with them all and enjoy them all it's like what's that saying it's like be in the world but not of it
0: yes I love that so you were saying how you were in corporate world and like climbing the ladder and probably had very specific lifestyles and goals and everything obviously you have very much transitioned from that (laughs) and so the question is around the idea of transition and how that was for you, because I feel there are more and more and more and more people going through these transitions or like even been wanting to transition their life for a couple years or more now, but it's freaking scary. It's scary to change and uproot your life and and have those emotions come up of being like, wait, this is not what I want anymore. So how was that for you? Um, challenges, positives? Well, at that time,
2: um, so it was about two and a half years ago when I was leaving corporate. But for the the couple of years before that, I was building my business. You know, I was, um, one, I was trying to make my business like a full-time income, right? And I just was at a point where in my healing journey, I still had a lot of ego work to do, which I still do, right? I'm not like saying like, now I'm totally healed and enlightened. But at this point, I had I had a lot more work to do than to where I am now. And so I was very, very, very attached to um, exactly what I'm talking about. And I, I wrote this in my book because the moment when I quit my job, you know, I had desperately wanted it for so long. It was all I thought about, all I cared about. I didn't care about anything else. I thought once I quit my job and worked for myself, I would be happy no matter what. And I would feel different. I would feel like the people that I was idolizing on the internet who looked so successful. I thought I would feel like them all of a sudden. And that just didn't happen. Right? There's that
1: projecting the feeling onto the thing. It pops up all the time.
2: (laughs) And and that, that had happened multiple times in my life up until that point. But that was when the lesson finally, like, I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Like things happening outside of me aren't really going to change. I'm not going to feel like a different person, right? I'm still going to feel like me. And then my mind's going to come up with next problem that needs to be solved. The next thing that needs to happen for me to be happy. So it was a huge lesson there and a huge wake up call there, but, um, it was a big transition. I saved up money for a long time and, I, to be honest, I expected my business to stay at the level it was forever or go up, like definitely go up. But I was under the impression that like, that was, those are the only possibilities. It would be steady or it would go up. Not never that it would go down or be inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Although like I had saved up money for those moments, but um, yeah, I found that I was becoming really, really attached to the results the outcomes, the specific outcomes. So it was really hard to kind of separate myself from that. And, you know, building a personal brand, it's like you, it's you. So it's a lot of rejection that feels really, really personal. So it was the biggest growth journey in my life to learn to let go of those things and surrender the outcomes and be okay with the different directions my business would take. And that journey really led me to, where I'm now and with writing my book and, and all the surrender stuff and all the present moment stuff. Cause it was like the biggest journey I ever had in letting
0: go. Well, I relate to this so much. I not going to go into it, but Alexis and I have been on kind of a parallel journey and, um, I've kind of taken a slight pause on that because I realized kind of the same thing. Like I was kind of forcing these outcomes onto myself and attaching a lot to those things and. It's funny because I was just telling a friend this yesterday. A lot of my things I was sharing last year before I took my little pause, they've been helping me so much. Like they like past Carly is helping present Carly with like future Carly knowledge and I'm like, "Holy crap, this is wild." But it's beautiful because it's all for me been about like really finding that foundation within myself and letting myself express whatever comes out and not worrying so much about what it needs to look like. And it's a kind of, I don't want to say battle because that sounds dramatic, but it kind of is. It's a battle between like being totally at peace and letting go and just trusting the unfoldment of everything. And then, you know, when you're shown something on social media or someone asks you a question or you see something on TV or something then it's like, Oh, all those doubts and stuff come back. But, and I don't know, I don't think those will ever fully go away for anybody because that's just the nature of the mind. But like to get to a point where you have that foundation to just feel that wave come through and just be like, no, okay, I'm good. I just pass on through. So I still don't know what I'm really doing. But my only goal is to be myself and express myself and we're going to see where it goes.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like I feel like when I when my business had the pressure, I like I had a lot of pressure on it for a long time. And that made me um, it took away from like the the authentic expression and just the, the fun of it and the lightness of it. But then to let go of that pressure, it's like you really got to like sink into that trust you know this has been such a theme lately in our conversations
1: i know i'm laughing over here because i am slowly like deconditioning from just the last year of discovering coaching in and then like yeah. doing coaching training and then i had a business coach and then i was in everybody else's containers and learning and learning and growing so much from other people and then being on social media and following other other accounts and how they do business. And I just kept feeling like I was trying to niche down number one. And then I decided not to do that. But even though I consciously said, no, don't niche down, my subconscious was still running like, but nobody's going to understand what you're doing. You need to be more specific. Like, who are you selling to? What's the product? What's your purpose? And it was just a low hum underneath it all that I didn't realize was still there. And even just reflecting yesterday, it popped up again. And I'm like, I've been diluting myself to make my page more understandable and digestible for people that I feel like I should be attracting for whatever reason. When in reality, when the more you, yourself you are, you're going to attract the people that are meant to work with you. And so it's just so funny how that creeps into your mind. And you mentioned in um the form that we sent to you before about social media addiction and i'm so curious to hear what your experience has been with that from following other practitioners to building your business and this whole journey and how social media has played into it for you
2: yeah so i feel like before i had my business i definitely was on social media a lot you know but it was different like it wasn't i mean i also was much less aware so maybe i wasn't quite as aware of of the picking up my phone unconsciously and looking at it in any spare moment that I had. But as I became more into the present moment, I started to realize that social media was really pulling me away from the here and now. And that in any quiet pause that I would have in my day, I would unconsciously grab that phone and go to social media and do a ton of comparison, right? And feel like, what could I post? What do I need to post right now? And like, and just a lot of that stuff. And so a little over a year ago, I decided to put some boundaries in that have been so helpful. So I stopped going on my Instagram, like, stuck on social media at past 5 p.m. So, like, evenings are just like a no. First hour, two in the morning, are a no. And most weekends, I take off as well. And it's just been so, so helpful to like have those. It's just like takes away that addiction. Like, it's, but I definitely noticed that during the day, I still have like a major tendency to want to check it 500 times. So, um, Recently I bought just a few weeks ago I bought a locking box on Amazon with a timer so I like lock my phone in there for a few hours a day so I can get my work done and it's just really crazy the peace that you feel when you don't have your phone is so wild and like the level of focus that you have and creativity and inspiration and intuitive downloads like for me it all increases when I'm not like always kind of having this like it's like this pull in my body to like constantly grab my phone. So I'm always like working on ways to kind of detach from that. But I definitely think in our society, we're we're not allowing ourselves to have any moments of quiet anymore. And I think that's really damaging to all of us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yesterday. this just reminds me my, my dad was scrolling on his phone and my mom was watching TV and I decided to leave my phone in my bedroom just for a little while because I was in a TikTok binge. And when that happens, I almost have to do three, two, one, throw my phone in order to tear myself away from it. It's ridiculous. Um, but I was standing in the living room, just not looking at the TV and I just started dancing for no reason. (laughs) And my parents looked at me like, what is wrong with you? And I just said, I left my phone in my room and I have no idea what to do with myself.
2: (laughs) Isn't that just crazy? Yes. But it's, it's so
0: relatable to everyone listening. One thing I can struggle with is the fact that I love what social media allows us to do today. Like it's incredible, but I do like, I talked to Alexis and my business coach um, last year about this, it also, I get on it and it causes me so much anxiety as well, because I'm like, I have, I felt like this since like middle school. So for years I've gotten on, on social media and just all of a sudden been like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? This is not real. And so it almost like I get, can get frustrated with myself for being on it and not like living life. And so for me, it's been a really interesting contradiction in myself because I I want to be doing something that allows me to kind of have this like freedom of my life and ability to move if we need to or like all of that. But I also have the other side of the spectrum that's like I could probably be more than happy never touching social media again. So frustrating sometimes. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I feel the same way. Like there's so much to gain on there in terms of like, people have really inspired me. Like there's so much information and I do think it's information overload and would be better serve like reading books and stuff for sure. But you do get like different perspectives. And if you follow people that you really, um, you intentionally select, you know, based on the way they're showing up and the inspiration, and whatever it can be so powerful. And of course it like, yeah, it's like a great tool for business you know? So I feel the same way, but yeah, I, I do wish I could like throw my phone out the window and never see it again, like live <laughs> in the moment all the time. And because a big thing we need to remember is like, we're also looking at, we're looking at a highlight reel. It doesn't matter. Like I've, I've tried so hard to like be as real as possible. And like, I do believe I show up in authentic and real way, but I can't do it fully. That's just not possible. Like my my life can't just be every bad thing isn't going to be on there, right? Like, it's also not realistic to do your business. So we have to remember, we're looking at a highlight reel. We're mm-hmm. looking at curated pieces of people's lives that they've selected to show. We're looking at filters and, you know, good angles and good lighting. And we have to remember that, like, we're not looking really at reality,
0: That was one of the things that inspired us to even start this podcast because the same thing, you know, we, we both have had this discussion since the beginning of like being authentic and really sharing as much as we can about our lives. But yeah, the fact of the matter is you can't do that on social media and like you could, but also, I mean, for Alexis and I, we also really love aesthetics and we really love making things pretty And, and, you know, life isn't pretty all the time Mm -hmm. and so I love like the balance of you have a podcast as well so you've definitely experienced this it's just when it's more that raw uncut footage of life and you feel you really get to know the people who are speaking and there's a place for that and we can obviously do more of that on social media but I yeah I completely agree it's it's not it's not real (laughs) there there were two things you said or I had two thoughts pop up
1: with something you said, but following people intentionally is so important. And I just really want to highlight that because that was one of the first steps that I took three years ago on my Instagram. I just realized that I was going on social media, scrolling and leaving with an icky feeling. And I noticed that the people I would scroll past, I was judging them for whatever reason. Um, Didn't matter if it was a celebrity or or influencer someone from my hometown there were just certain accounts that triggered me from what for whatever reason and I decided enough is enough I'm going to unfollow or mute them if there's somebody that I know personally and it's nothing against the people ever it's always a reflection of self and so I did work on that these past couple of years i like what was it that triggered but um recurating it to people that inspire me that are creative that are sharing cool ideas and so That's what almost hooks me even more going on socials because I'm excited to see what these people are sharing. They feel like friends. I love their ideas and perspectives. And so I have positive feelings when I go on social media instead of negative ones now, which is beneficial, but also still need to tear myself away from it.
2: Yeah. And it's just like a couple other things we talked about today. It's like, it's like, we have to just remember, we have to just remember that these people's lives are probably not quite as glamorous as it looks online. And because aesthetically pleasing content is more fun to create and it's performs way better like you know what i mean like we're we just have to remind ourselves that like those people have struggles they aren't sharing and like remember when our mind goes into oh like why is my life like this i wish my life was like that it's like just coming into what we can be grateful for in here and now you know and remembering that like so much of the outer world stuff it's just It's not going to change our inner state the way we think it is. We have to just keep remembering that, I feel like.
1: Mm -hmm. And then
2: there are a lot of accounts
1: that I think are doing the best that they can to be real. I think that is (laughs) be real. I think that's getting um, to be more mainstream, to use less filters and to talk more candidly. And I love it. And sometimes I come across the videos of crying and things like that. And there is something so funny to me about it because I did it. I've done it one time where I was having a tough time and I just wanted to document it for myself to come back to a week from now, because I knew those emotions would pass, but there's something about crying and then whipping out your video, like your phone and recording yourself crying in the moment that also feels so weird to me. And I don't naturally do that. And so I don't even know how to feel about those quote real videos either. It's all very twisted in my head.
2: Yeah, and then there's also like the side of it where when people are creating content that's like relatability content that's like complaining essentially about things that are relatable and it's like how it's like how much of that is good, right? Like yes, we want to feel like we're not alone in our things and that can be helpful, but then also like we don't want to why would we focus on those things? Right. Mm-hmm. Why would we focus on that aspect of like marriage or relationships? Like, you know, you could focus on the bad or the good, you know, and, and your perspective is going to dictate your life. So how much of that type of content should we really be looking at? It's just a whole mind fuck. Yeah,
0: yeah, it really is. <laughs> like finding a balance for yourself is really the only answer, I think. <laughs> it's like what we've discussed before, Carly,
1: about pain points and pain point marketing and that's what most marketing is, even for people here that are not on <laughs> that are not on social media. Whenever you watch an ad and it pops up on TV or on YouTube and it says, You have these problems, we will solve it with this product. That's pain point marketing. They're making you aware of and think of all the bad things that are happening in your life. And this thing is going to solve it. And I really don't vibe with that. And Leah, I would love for your thoughts on that, because in the coaching world, there's like a, there's a whole spectrum of different types of marketing and that I'm sure you are familiar with, but pain point marketing just doesn't vibe with me. Like I want to empower people. And like you said, why would you focus on the bad when you're trying to help people feel good?
2: Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of toxic things that come directly from the corporate and like corporate's not necessarily bad. Right. But there's a toxic corporate world where greed is so huge like the company I used to work for it was like a 1.6 billion dollar company at the time it was run by um a board of directors you know so everything was about year-over-year year profit had to go up every single year which is not always sustainable and necessary in any way and just it's very destructive that's when we see you know company like Tyson you know several decades ago whenever they invented factory farming just to get squeeze another dollar right it's like what the fuck so there's a lot of this like really toxic corporate money making mindset that's destroying the planet and our lives and um and and causing inflation and all these things that people brought into the coaching world you know because that's the society that we're in so the coaching world tends to have a lot of that and a lot of business coaches i mean i used to be a business coach who taught pain point marketing for real So, and I was coming from the corporate, like I was a sales manager. So like it really fit with what I had done before. I was teaching sales. I was teaching go-go, whatever. A lot of this like toxic stuff is in the coaching industry. And I think people are really starting to, to pull back from it. I think people are really starting to see it for what it is and notice that it's really kind of based on greed and it's really not based on helping people And it's based on like fear, you know, inspiring people through fear. I think, I think fear is what creates it too. It's this fear that if I don't have enough, if I don't have enough clients, then what will happen if
0: I don't have this or that? I was going to say greed is like another word to say, lack mentality, like thinking that if I don't have more then I don't have anything. (laughs) <laughs> there's
2: nothing, I'm not someone who believes money is wrong. Obviously money is a beautiful resource that helps us, but like, where does it end? Like, do we need to have a multi-million-dollar empire to feel worthy? Do we even, is that even really what we want?
0: So that has become for me um, such an, an instant turnoff because there's so many coaches who are still marketing that. As something that they are, that they have, so I should coach you because I run a multi-million-dollar company, or I just reached, you know, this milestone, and it worked. It's still working for them, so great. Like obviously, I love, I love the saying something about how you know, there's someone for everybody, and as long as they're still there, then that means people are benefiting from them, and there's they're having this even exchange. But it is, it's become such and kind of from our personal experiences over the last year, it's become such a turnoff for me. I see, and I'm like, I don't give a flying fuck. Like, how are you going to help other people express themselves in a like beautiful, holistic way? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's
2: like the ads you see where it's like, I, I help coaches. I help new coaches make six figures in their first three months. It's like, I've enrolled in those programs. I've hired coaches that were saying- we both have to, Yeah. yeah. And like, it's just not realistic to think that that's Mm -hmm. a sustainable thing. And then when you have so much emphasis on that, like getting to the 10K months, whatever, that's when things start to become unethical because you resort to sales tactics like the pain point marketing because you're trying to push for these results that just
0: are not realistic. Well, yeah. and for me, and I think Alexis, you can say the same thing, and Leo, probably you can as well. I don't want to say that people are doing a wrong thing because, like I just said, there's obviously a need for this still, and we're we're cycling out of old ways of being. But for me, going through that and working with a business coach who, as a person I love, she's she was so sweet and everything, but that was very much her tactic. And it just like sucked all the life and creativity and inspiration and excitement out of me because I realized through that, which again, happened exactly how it should have, because I would not have come to this realization that for me, obviously I desire that abundance in that way, but I don't need it. Like that's not my, I mean, like we need it to survive in that sense, but that's not my driver factor. Yes. My driver. It's, actually helping people and expressing my own self and helping other people do the same. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge, beautiful lesson that I learned through going through this work with this woman who was teaching me that. And I don't know, everything happens for a reason, basically, is what I'm trying to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. We've talked about the the type of feeling we want to give people. And there was something I heard about, if you picture a ladder there's the pain point marketing that's I need to show you that you're at the bottom of the ladder and I'm at the top and I'm helping you get to where I am because it's way better up here. Or there's the, hey, your life is perfectly fine and it's and you're doing amazing, but it can be even better. Like you are fully self-sustaining. You don't need this. Like I've followed a couple coaches who really focus on coaching as kind of a luxury item. Like it's a thing that you get to splurge on and it gets to make you feel good. And it gets to put women in your corner to help build you up. And it's not saying you're in the pit and I'm pulling you out to rescue you. It's, Hey, you're doing amazing. Let's elevate together. And I really vibe with that energy so much more. Um, and I'm not sure if you've experienced a container like that or a comparison, Leah of like those different things but i've seen that pop up too that different type of perspective on the marketing
2: yeah totally yeah the last thing that i like joined was a mastermind um where it was actually like pay what you can and it was really really interesting and in the whole like it was just this woman who had previously done much different marketing as well but was really shifting into this like hey like i maybe it's really not affordable for or, or realistic for people to spend Ten thousand dollars every few months for code. Like, let me actually help people. Like, it really felt like it came from that genuine place. And she still made money, and it was beautiful. And it's yeah, we're I think we're seeing a lot of that in the industry. People are realizing that there's a lot of really shitty, hustly, corporate tactics being used in an industry that's supposed to be about helping people. And hopefully, that's changing. Hmm. Yeah. I love
0: to see it. We're changing it. (laughs)
2: Yeah. We are
1: the change makers. That's the point.
2: (laughs) I'm like, we all came into this field to help people, right? Like not to make a million dollars.
1: I love that. I love it. You are exactly the type of people we want to have on this podcast. (laughs) This is what we're here for. (laughs) And I'm so grateful you reached out. I know we're nearing an hour so I want to make sure that there's time for you to tell us what you're up to where we can find you how people can work with you and share all the good stuff that's happening on your end
2: yeah absolutely so my podcast is um bare naked soul my instagram is leah party and what else yeah, pretty much my website's leahparty.com. Just type my name in anywhere. You'll find something and we can hang out. You can shoot me a DM with questions about breathwork. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, this was such a fun conversation. So fun. And like we
1: said beforehand, we let our conversations flow. So a little bit about breathwork. And for anyone listening that wants to know a lot more about breathwork, please go see her podcast. We will link all of her stuff in the show notes as always. And if you loved this episode, we'd love a rating and review from you. And feel free to reach out via DM anytime. We love to talk if you can't tell Carly and I like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, we're so grateful for all of you listening and grateful to Leah for popping on with us today. And we will be with you next week. Goodbye.
2: Bye. Bye.